Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. We have a midday version of the show, so we'll cover uh, Thursday and Wednesday here, all on today's show. Gonna be talking basically all football. <laughs> I mean, we'll have a little bit of baseball talk. I have to talk about my Braves. Re, I don't know, reclaiming the NL East, but they're there. I uh, have that. I might have thrown in this week's card on a Wednesday afternoon and it might be my nat like my most controversial one yet which i've only done two or three i don't know but it's done i'll talk about that the new top 25 is out and i'll give you an nl mvp or nf nl nfl mvp discussion all that and more on coach's corner and let's get into it Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. It is September 7th. It is a Wednesday going into a Thursday, eh, a couple hours. But first things first, we have some news to talk about. Yes, that is right. We do have some news in the baseball world. The Atlanta Braves are as close as you can possibly be to closing the gap between them and the Mets. And I say that after last night they get a win in Oakland. The, the Mets lose to the 49-win Pirates. And the lead, all of a sudden, is zero when it comes to games back. And it's one of those things I've talked about it multiple times where I was like, they're not coming back. It's no no chance it happens. I mean, it's just like they get there and they lose a couple. <clears throat> well, they're starting to win a lot of them. And now they find themselves, you know, right there with the Mets, getting ready to try and take a game off of them. And as I'm recording right now, the Braves are playing the Athletics, and they did just go ahead 3-2. to two. I don't know what that's from. Like, I don't know who could have possibly done what. But... It's great news because the Braves were down two to nothing. Now they're back up three to two. The Mets did play today. They did win against the Pirates, but it's a doubleheader, so we have one more game to see how that plays out for the old New York Metropolitans. And it's really getting interesting, folks. We got a month here, probably just left of regular season games. And the Mets are really gonna have to like buckle down and Bad news for them. They also lose Max Scherzer to the IL. After I believe they described it was uh, fatigue, left side fatigue. I mean, he left his last start because of that. And he comes back and now he's down for the count on an IL stint. So we will see how long that takes, you know, because it's the Mets, you know, Mets are going to Mets and they really can't help it. I mean, it's not even the, I mean, the Braves have been the best team in baseball since a certain date. I'm not going to be like the Nationals media team, national, you know, social media team when they won their World Series and the Nationals were like, we're the best team in baseball since May 29th. Not going to do that whole shtick because it's kind of corny. But if we're looking at the numbers, they are like 62 and 24 
in the last, you know, however many games that is. It's an unbelievable accomplishment for the Braves. I'm sure, like, that pace of winning would be over a 162-game sample size is an unbelievable amount. And, yeah, no, I mean, it took them a little while to get going, but, I mean, they are here now. Very happy they are here and decided to join, you know, the rest of the contending teams since they're the ones who are the defending champs. And, you know, it's great to see. It's just, it's just really positive to see the Braves really turn around their season. The Mets, the Mets are still a good team. Don't Don't let me talk down on the Mets too much. They're still a good team. They're still going to be the wild card, if, even if they lose the division here. Whoever is playing that, you know, first wild card game, or the, you know, whoever's playing the first wild card team, whether it's the Cardinals or the Padres or Phillies, like whoever's playing either the Mets or Braves, that sucks because really it's not <clears throat> a fair match, like compared to what you thought this game would kind of be because really this is a division winner who's sitting in the wild card round. <laughs> you know, it's very, very tough. But that that's really the baseball I got to talk about for you. Um, Aaron Judge is, is still hitting home runs. I don't think he stopped hitting home runs. You know, Aaron Judge is now at 55. He's chasing 63 or 62. I don't know what the number is, but... You know, Aaron Judge is just out of his mind. He's just on another planet, and the fact that he might not be a Yankee after this year is hilarious, but also very sad and, I think, a big indictment on how the Yankees are. Uh, Christian Yelich hit a home run a, a billion yards long. Uh, Doug Godlieb was took back his statement. I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but it was like the whole... Freddie Freeman and his agent, so they had split up, obviously, and I think that Doug Gottlieb had prematurely reported that um, it was because he wasn't, re- you know, giving offers back. Like, he wasn't telling Freddie Freeman the offers the Braves were giving him, that the agent was just kind of holding them to just as a bargaining chip, which also is illegal. That Like, that's against the law, <laughs> so he could have really been in a mess of trouble if the allegations were true. I, I think he backtracked on it pretty quickly today, saying it wasn't because he knew that he was pretty much toast. Like, you know, I mean, the guy is an agent. The guy has a law degree, you know. It's kind of like he would have gotten probably ran for everything he possibly could have if he had tried to fight this, which he didn't. He quickly came out and was like, hey, hey, I would made wrong statements prematurely. And he said, no sorry, that was not me. So Doug Godlieb eating the trash, but I I do weirdly think there's some truth to it. I mean I think if you dig through enough lies, there is a truth in there somewhere. And I think there is something more to this Freddie Freeman agent story because obviously they discontinued the professional relationship. It's been widely reported about how that whole process went about, and it sounded like the agent kind of messed up Freddie Freeman's life. <laughs> like, I'm, he, I'm sure he's happy in L.A. with his ginormous contract and his money being back home, all that stuff that you talk about. It's like you shouldn't feel sorry for him. But he did have to, like, uproot his entire family to there and leave Atlanta, which he's known for the past 
how many every years is raising his son here. Like you got to think about all the life things that happened and what changed that. And part of it is like on Freddie Freeman as much as it is the agent, but it sounds like the agent was not in good faith, I believe, but what can you do now? We have Matt Olson. He's terrific. I, <laughs> I've not sad at all, but yeah, I mean, good, good stuff. I think that's really the most baseball news that I can really conjure up right now. Uh, the Met, the Mets Braves is really just the big, the big story. Dansby Swanson hit a home run. There's your, that's what the, that's what this thing happened that made three to two. So typically I save the scores for later, but since we are talking it, like we're on the topic, I might as well talk about them now. Uh, the Braves were up three to two on the athletics. As I mentioned of the sixth inning, uh, the twins are tied with the Yankees three to three. Yankees are just so desperately trying not to be awful. Uh, it's a double header. So game will be later. I'm sure for those two teams, uh, the Rockies are up on the Brewers eight to two. The Brewers are tanking gas. Uh, Tigers were up one to nothing on the Angels because the Angels. Um, Mariners beating the White Sox currently. The Giants and Dodgers are tied 0-0 zero zero in the fifth right now. Clint Kershaw pitching on the mound today. And yeah, the Mets beat the Pirates earlier in that doubleheader. And like I said, I mean, got a bunch of games coming up later. You know, uh, Twins, Yankees again, Mets, Pirates again. Red Sox Rays, Marlins Phillies, Reds Cubs, Blue Jays Orioles, Nationals Cardinals, Guardians Royals, a, a very packed night of baseball. Rangers Astros, Diamondbacks Pot. All the teams are playing today. Don't worry. Don't if you wanted your team to play today, they are. And some of them are playing twice. <laughs> so uh yeah, no, a bunch of teams playing today in the old baseball world. But stepping away from the baseball world, I will talk about the football, <laughs> the foosball. We got some foosball to talk about here. And starting off, I want to talk about the college rankings. Uh, the AP poll came out. Obviously, we don't have like the official college football playoff, you know, rankings, which I don't, I don't know how I feel about them, honestly, outside of the top four, because I think obviously they take that seriously or the top six, whatever. Like, I don't know how seriously they really take the top 25, but I think the AP poll does a relatively good job, <clears throat> especially in like moving teams around. Uh, so the first first couple kind of go as you would expect. Alabama's one, obviously. Uh, the, the big news here is Georgia making the leap up to two from three. They jumped Ohio State with their, like I said, devastating win over Oregon. They just, like I said, dominated that one. So they jump up to two. Uh, Ohio State falls to three. Uh, Michigan slides in at four. Now, I don't remember where Michigan was exactly. I, I don't remember if they were sixth. I think they were. Or they were seventh. Either way, Michigan finds their way in the top four right now, obviously early on. Um, looking at this as a top four, like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, your West Coast gets shut out when it comes to like notoriety. But this would be an absolutely iconic playoff if it did happen because I mean let's say it plays out the SEC way we get Alabama Georgia again let's say that the Big Ten teams upset the SEC teams you get Ohio State Michigan the most 
probably notorious rivalry in college football history. Uh, you get Ohio State, Alabama, if it falls this way, Georgia, Michigan, which is a rematch from last year's playoff. Like I, I don't think Michigan will stay here just because I don't. Their quarterback situation is very, I don't know what to say, fluid. Like it could go a number of ways right now. However, just looking at it, it is very big name wise. Very big. Uh, Clemson dropped down to five. They might have been five before. I'm not totally certain. I think they're four though. Uh, Clemson after <laughs> Clemson looked really like uh, when I was telling you how bad the game was, I was not joking. The offense looked really atrocious. The defense looks good again. Uh, many people are saying it is the same exact Clemson team that we saw last year, which is not good news for them. Uh, you have Texas A&M at six. I have them in my you know betting betting numbers here in a little bit. I'll talk about um, Oklahoma at seven. I think that's a fair ranking. I mean, I think they did a really good job. I I don't have any complaints about Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma or I don't know. I feel like a big. T- I feel like it's time for a Big Twelve team to sneak into the playoff here at number four. And th- if there's a year to do it, I think this is the one. Unless USC just goes undefeated, which could very well happen. But I don't think that'll happen because of their defense. But I don't know. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State all had big wins. Um, you know, they you have Oklahoma at seven, Baylor nine, Oklahoma State eleven. So those three teams look to really be in the mix here, possibly for a playoff spot. They'll eliminate each other. But basically, like there's a good chance that they all like beat each other and they all have like one loss or something. But if someone can like lose and then come back in the Big Twelve championship and avenge that loss, that'd be I'd say pretty huge for Big 12's chances at making the playoffs, whether it's Oklahoma, Baylor, or Oklahoma State. But I mean, keep your eye out on those three teams to you know jump up here in the coming weeks. Because Texas A&M, I don't believe in full wholeheartedly. Clemson, nah. Michigan, yeah. You know, uh, Notre Dame drops from five to eight, which I think is appropriate because. Although they lost, it wasn't like a convincing loss like the Oregon one. Oregon is out of the top 25. They kicked Oregon from 11 to out, unranked. So that's that's very tough for them. <laughs> you know, I don't... It, it, it hurts. It does hurt to see Notre, or Oregon go out if you're an Oregon fan. However, I mean, after that performance, I don't think you can really argue with it. But Notre Dame, after their performance, not getting blown out, basically playing very conservatively, they find themselves at um, eight. USC's number ten. The USC hype has left the station, as well as the Florida hype. Florida, basically, Florida just replaces like they just jump ahead of Utah because Utah's number thirteen now after their loss. I I don't know, I don't know why Florida wasn't ranked in the first place. I'm gonna be honest. I mean, they had the preseason odds for Heisman with Anthony Richardson up there, like not too far from number one. So like if you believed in Richardson in the in the betting market, I don't I don't know why you don't believe in Florida as a whole. It's it was kind of weird. Like even if they're like twenty two, sure, whatever. But Florida being unranked seems weird now that they're number twelve. You know, and I still don't even believe they're number twelve. I think they're they have a tough game this week against Kentucky. Not touching it for the betting slip, uh, because it is in Florida. That's a 
ginormous advantage. I can't. I don't know why this is scheduled as a week two game. I really, I don't have an answer for you because it's just a weird. It's weird that they're playing home back to back and they're already playing the SEC East team in their second week after playing number seven Utah. I, seems like some weird scheduling like 10 years out was made and they didn't expect it to be like this, but yeah, Florida number 12, Michigan state's number 14. That seems appropriate. Uh, Miami's number 15. They ain't play anyone. Arkansas 16. They jump up from 19. So good on them. Uh, Pittsburgh stays exactly where there are, where they are, are because I mean, I don't think you can move them up or down based on how they're performed. NC State falls from 13 to 18 after a stupid game against Eastern Carolina. Just a stupid game. Uh, Wisconsin 19, which I think they're a good candidate to move up. Like, I think I think Wisconsin is a good team. Braylon Allen at running back, I thought, had a phenomenal run. I mean, it was funny because it looked like he was just jogging out there when he broke off a 95-yard like, touchdown. And he just was beating everyone so bad. Braylon Allen is a special talent. Uh, Kentucky's sitting at 20, which I think they just are around that spot. BYU, 21. Ole Miss, 22. Wake Forest, 23. Wake Forest, big news, gets Sam Hartman back. And Sam Hartman was like out indefinitely with like health, health concerns or whatever. And then basically it looks like it came out as a blood clot thing blood clot issue and he comes back this week against Vanderbilt huge news for Wake Forest they they wanted to really kind of compete in the ACC they needed Hartman and he's back so great news for Wake Forest as they're sitting at 23 they I think they're a team that can move up pretty quickly here Uh, Tennessee the 24 could also move up quickly I mean they play Pitt this week they Pittsburgh obviously number 17 they get a win this week which is very possible they can find themselves basically sitting where Pittsburgh is. Because, I mean, they move Florida above Utah. I have to think they would do the same here. And then Houston sits at 25 after a very big game against UTSA. So that's your top 25, just leading out all the teams. Uh, Cincinnati also fell out of the top 25, which is tough after I thought they played a really a tough game. Like, I thought they played a, a great game, like, can't really be mad at it. Uh, but looking ahead at this week's games, not the betting games, just like a couple couple big ones to note. Baylor at BYU, a weird matchup played at like, it's going to be at 10 o'clock at night or something. And uh, with that, you know, I mean, future big, big 12 matchup here on the horizon. We'll see how the BYU will probably look against their future competition. Looks to be a good game. Kentucky at Florida. I already talked about uh, and Tennessee at Pitt. I already talked about And other than that, I don't think there's any, no, I'd say noteworthy games. I'll probably look more over the schedule, but those are just the big ranked matchups. Uh, but we do have some NFL football I got to talk about. And I'll go over my betting slip. I have a five for five here to talk about in a second. But I do want to talk some MVP odds. You know, I don't know if I t- touched on my like award picks or anything. Uh, but we're day out of the NFL season officially kicking off. I'm not 
don't think I'll have a show tomorrow. Like this will basically be today's and tomorrow's show uh, just because of schedule conflicts and stuff, you know, the busy stuff. Uh, but I do have to talk about the games, the MVP stuff. I do want to, you know, touch on this, some values here, like Joe Burrow at 1300 plus 1300. Dak at plus 1700, Lamar Jackson at plus 2000 as a MVP, you know, finisher before, like in 2019. I mean, if he in a contract year, if he just goes off, like I totally could see that. Kyler Murray at plus 2200, don't hate that if he's healthy. Herbert at plus 900 is obviously, I think, the most popular bet because he's behind Mahomes and Allen. But, you know, a number of things could happen that he just doesn't live up to hype or something. Like, he plays a really good season, but like, he just doesn't, like, do, do his good record-wise, you know? I, those are just some of the names here on the MVP list. If I had to pick one, I could totally see. I mean, Josh Allen is such a basic pick, so I'm trying not to do Josh Allen. <laughs> I'll say this. Josh Allen would be is my MVP pick. Like if I just go vanilla, just plain old simple vanilla. But if I had to choose an outlier one, I probably would choose I choose Dak Prescott. And here's why. Because Dak Prescott, I think, has had years where basically he he just is a stat machine. I think he will like He'll play from behind or something, and he'll just end up throwing 500 yards trying to get back into the game, and, and they end up winning or something. But, like, imagine, imagine this. The Dallas Cowboys, America's team, America's probably most valuable franchise ever, is sitting as the one seed. They play in a, they play in a division where the, Cow, like the um, Giants are in it, the Commanders are in it, the Eagles are in it. You know, I mean, I love the Eagles. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, if he gets to, if he sweeps the whole d- division, which he's been very dominant against the past three years when, or when healthy, I, I mean, that's a really, that's six wins right there, or five wins if he loses one of them. That's a, you know, really impressive Let's say they went out a couple of their hard games. Let's say they upset Tampa Bay week one here on Sunday night. And, I mean, he plays good football. I, I I really have come around on Dak. I was not a big believer in him. But these past couple of years, I've seen the improvement, I believe, that I wanted to see from him. So, like, you know, I just, I mean, I, I just see Dak Prescott. If the Cowboys are a top two seed getting MVP votes because I, I think he will have a great year then because I also don't think this offense is really as loaded as it normally is. I think the offensive line is worse than it has been. They lost Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup won't come for a little while. Don't know what Zeke's going to look like. Tony Pollard, you know, how they're going to do the running back stuff is confusing. Don't know if that defense will really be as opportunistic as they were last year because Trey Mountain Diggs getting 11 interceptions is insane. So, like, there's a lot of question marks around the Cowboys, and that's kind of why I'm, like, kind of subtly buying stock on them, you know, buying stock on Dak Prescott winning MVP. Because if he does manage to, like I said, put them in a position where they're getting a home, you know, playoff game at the two-seat, or the, let's say he has, like, a 
flashback year to in his rookie year where they were the one seed or something. I, I mean, I'm not one to say rookies don't win MVP and that's why he didn't win MVP, but like, it's weird voting a rookie as an MVP. And I think if Dak Prescott was like three, four years into his career at, at that first year, I think he would have won MVP. You know, I mean, I think people just were very hesitant at the time, obviously, and they looked around his weapons. And I'm just saying, if you flash forward him a couple of years into his career and it's the same position, I think people will vote him as MVP. And so he would be my like dark horse guy I would pick, but Josh Allen is obviously the vanilla pick because it's it's getting really kind of nasty how people are talking about the Bills, like how much people are loving the Bills. It's like it's too much, you know. It's like I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of how much preseason hype they're getting, and I love the Bills. I really do. I do love their weapons, their defense, their coaching staff. Like I like it all, but I mean, everyone's picking them as the Super Bowl winner, not a like candidate to be in the Super Bowl. They're picking them to win the Super Bowl. Almost everyone I've seen. It's it's getting a little eerie, you know. Uh, but Offensive Rookie of the Year, just trying to think through the names off the top of my head. Uh, Drake London, no. like no, no running backs, I don't think, will be, unless Brees Hall has an out-of-body experience this year. Uh, the rookies, I don't, the quarterbacks, I mean, uh, like, I don't, unless Desmond Ritter comes in early in the season and gets them a couple wins or something, has, like, a really good year, I I don't see Kenny Pickett getting it. Like, I don't see Pickett getting in in time to get the stats. Mm. If I had to go an official offensive rookie of the year, I probably would put my money on Chris Olave on the Saints. And part of it's not because I like the Saints, obviously, and I like Chris Olave. Like, I'm very indifferent about Chris Olave. I hate the Saints, but. I mean, if there's anyone to get a bunch of stats, like an unbelievable amount of stats, just because they're in an offense with a person who throws the ball a lot, it's Chris Olave. Jameis Winston will throw the ball to basically anyone that's running downfield. Like he, he'll just he'll rip that out. So like I mean, Chris Olave he will have a prime opportunity to get a ton of yards. Michael Thomas is hurt or getting the attention underneath. He'll get you know hopefully some secondary looks. You know, if they're double teaming him or blow to the box for Camara, I think Chris Olave is in a chance as running like a wide receiver that could go and get the um, offensive rookie of the year, especially over guys who went to like not favorable positions like Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Drake London. You know, like those guys aren't. In, I think like Jameis Winston is a good quarterback, but Jameis Winston will at least get the stats. You know, like he'll he'll get. He'll make sure to get those stats. So I'd say give me Chris Olave. Defensive rookie of the year. This one's more interesting. I I want to pick Sauce Gardner. And typically I think this will go to the there's a couple edge rushers who I think could easily get it. But Sauce Gardner if he, Sauce Gardner gets a couple interceptions for the Jets this year, that'll be a great season for him. And he might not get a lot of stats because people don't really just throw to him. They just really don't. Like, 
that might be that might work against him like where people just don't want to try him just because he is a really talented corner and he's a really good you know on ball guy but you know I'm very just curious to see how how teams will either go at Sauce Garner if they just won't early on because they'll see like he actually is really talented and I mean yeah I, I think Sauce Gardner is a really underrated pick here to win defensive rookie of the year. And I, I like him a lot. I do think, I, I don't think anyone will be an unbelievable pass rusher, like Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson. And I don't think they'll put up giant sack numbers. So get, give me the cornerback here. Then offensive play of the year. Um, mm, offensive play of the year. Oh, Justin Jefferson. I mean, Justin Jefferson, I'm unbelievably high on. I mean, he's my favorite receiver in the league that I think just in the league. I mean, now that the Falcons don't have a big receiver that I can really point to and be like, I love him so much, like Julio, Justin Jefferson is my favorite receiver in the league. And I love Cooper Cup as well, but this year I I don't think players win it back-to-back, obviously, just because voters don't want to do that. But Justin Jefferson I think will have an unbelievable year. I'm looking at him to be really good. If not him, Travis Kelsey, because Travis Kelsey will also have, you know, they don't really have a lot of people in that offense that are as prolific as Kelsey, so I think he has a big opportunity here to win one as well. Defensive player of the year, I don't want to pick two Cowboys, so don't don't want to pick Micah Parsons, but I will pick a Niners player, Nick Bosa. Fred Warner is also a very worthy candidate at linebacker. He's a really talented player. I'd say the best linebacker in the league, just on all every facet of the game. Shaquille Leonard, who aka Darius Leonard, is really good in his own right, but in very different spots where I think Warner's more of your like modern day, like can run around, can cover tight ends like dominant, where Leonard is more of like a pass rusher slash, you know, big tackle guy. Like you know what I'm saying. I, they are both two very different skill sets cut from very similar cloth, but I do like them. But Nick Bosa is the guy I'm picking to win Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, I think that he just will have a very good year. Um, he will be healthy. You know, Coming off of big injury last year, I don't think he really got his wheels turning as much as he'd like to. But this year, I think Nick Bosa will be a big piece of that 49ers defense who will be one of the better units, I think, in the league. And I just, D'Amico Ryans has been a fantastic defensive coordinator, and I think he'll put him in spots to win. So, give me Nick Bosa for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm trying to think of more, trying to think of more guys to give awards to. Uh, Coach of the Year, give me Nick Sirianni. I mean, Nick Nick Sirianni, I, I know I just hyped up Dak Prescott and the Cowboys a little bit, but, I mean, Nick Sirianni also has a really fantastic year in his own right. I think he can win coach of the year. Uh, turns Jalen Hurts into a great quarterback or something. That that could be a really good, you know, a really good way for him to have a, you know, just a good year. Um, hmm. Maybe one of the first year guys like Kevin O'Connell on the Vikings, if he gets them into a good playoff spot, I think that's a very possible guy to, I'm trying to think of comeback player of the year candidates. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is the favorite, which maybe, but if I had to pick a comeback player of the year, 
Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry obviously missed, I think, a good chunk of last year. I mean, I'm not sure. I feel like he played half the games. But coming off of his foot injury, um, Derrick Henry, I think, is just a monster. I mean, if he, I don't want to say if he has like a 2,000-yard season because that's such a hefty goal for a guy that has so many miles on his legs. But if Derrick Henry is leading the league in rushing after his injury last year, I think there's very little reason to not give it to him. So I think that's a good place to stop. I mean, I'll get more into like the overall games and the week action, uh, just like talking about certain games and here and there, which ones I'm looking at, like not to bet on because I'm about to give you my card, my five for five. But, you know, games to watch out for just if you're a pure football guy. Um, I'll do that in college and NFL. I'm not sure if I'll split them off into two episodes. We'll see how long it runs. But before we get out of here, I'm going to give you my weekly five for five. Last week was not a good week. We went one for four. Won the pit game. I was I explained how joyful I was, how happy I was. I don't think there was a more happy person in podcasting than I was after that pit um, winning over West Virginia. But then we got into the weekend. I've explained, I explained my games on yesterday's episode. How I went Oh, for four, basically the rest of the weekend, but you know, I, I was in a fog. It was a cloudy haze. I was like trying to figure out which teams were legit, which ones were the good picks and whatnot. And I think I got a good feel on it. Now I have a good understanding of how teams are. I like, I put my mind into the coach's head. I'm like, okay, I understand what you're trying to do. I understand how your team works. I feel better than ever. But here's the sicko part about this week. Week two of the college football slate. I think I think 20 out of the 25 teams that are playing are probably playing in games that will be blowouts. Most of the spreads will be double-digit points or a touchdown plus, like, more than a touchdown point spread. And I, I'm going to be honest, I hate all of them. I hate every single one of them. I, I just don't like anything. And I got burnt by that last week by thinking, it's like, oh, this team's, I like this team a lot. I think they're going to cover. I think this team's really good. I think they're going to cover. And I had to come back this week, and I had to look at these teams, and I had to be like, I don't like any of these teams to cover after what have I just experienced. I don't like any of these. But I do have three college games, and I am diving into the week one haze of the NFL. And I typically don't do the NFL because I did so last year and pretty much lost, I think, every NFL card. I won some college ones, but NFL's bad news. NFL's really hard to predict because it's the NFL, you know. But I did get two games I think will be winners. And one of them is the opening game tomorrow night. I I was like, you know what? I want to have some stakes into this game. I'm already going to be so pumped for it to watch it. I want more. I want just more on this game. I want to feel a lot more alive when I'm watching this game. So I went with the gut pick here. I went against the reigning defending champions in the Los Angeles Rams. I picked the Bills to win the game. Two and a half, I think they win by a field goal at least. I I like the Bills to 
really make a statement that they are the team to beat this year, that they are pumped and ready to go. You know, coming off last year's devastating loss, I think they want to prove that, to themselves that they're ready. The Rams, I think, are a team that starts off slow. You know, I, I think they have to take some time to kind of gel. You know, they're not, I think, a pretty seasoned team. You know, like I think they, they can get too cute with it. And early on, I had not sure if I trust them wholeheartedly yet. I'd say it won't happen, but I like the Bills in this game. So minus two and a half. The other pro game I have, and this could be the totally just worst pick ever, but I have the Jacksonville Jaguars plus two and a half against the Commanders. And I tell you, I think Jacksonville wins the game. Sure, last year they had Urban Meyer. The worst, I think, college to NFL coach probably ever. I mean, he was god-awful. He had didn't make it a whole season. He was putting his finger in places that he probably shouldn't have at the old bars there in Ohio. Couldn't help himself. He's a sicko. He's a sick man. Urban Meyer shouldn't be on TV, but he is. I just, I think Jacksonville is going into a new era under Doug Peterson where I think that they're going to be ready to play. I think that they have some talent. It's not totally rounded into form yet. It's a, just a weird ball, lumpy ball of clay. But they're they're shaping it. There's a shape. It's not Urban Meyer's clay was just thrown on the wall, kicked on, punched. Someone stole half of the clay. I think Doug Pearson has a, just a weird ball of clay that he's molding right now. And I think he'll figure it out once he gets Trevor Lawrence comfortable, once he gets into it. And I think they're in a really good spot. I don't know if it's a long-term spot, but it's a good spot now, this Sunday, against the Commanders. The Commanders were one of the most confusing teams to pin down this offseason. Went after Carson Wentz, which is a decision. Uh, the running back is, is, you know, got shot, unfortunately, so don't really know how the running game's going to go. So we have no clue what the offense will look like for the Commanders. The defense last year had high expectations, was atrocious. One of the worst defenses, I think, in the league. So who knows if they come back to the year before team or if they're last year's awful defense. And so for that reason, I think the Jaguars... You know, go to Washington under the elements of how awful that stadium is. And I think the Jaguars win the game outright. Like, I mean, I, I get points here for no reason. I think the Jaguars will win this game against the Commanders just because I think that Trevor Lawrence will make a leap. And I think Trevor Lawrence has a good chance of, I mean, obviously I won't call him comeback player of the year, but I think, you know, biggest jump player of the year, you know, because he didn't look great last year. He picked it up a little bit towards the end. But now he had a full offseason with Doug Peterson, who I think is a good offensive coach. And I like the Jaguars plus two and a half over the Commanders. Now going into the college games, it, I just explained earlier why I hate this week so much. However, there are three games that I do like. One of them, I, one of them I'm like very tough on. However, I... I'm trying to learn from this past week's mistakes, and I'm trying to correct them here. First off, though, Alabama at Texas. Folks, how can we trust anything about this Texas defense? I mean, 
the Texas defense, I don't think has been intimidating in my lifetime. I don't think I remember a time where the Texas defense has been feared ever. Now the offense has pieces, but what the offense doesn't have is a dependable offensive line to stop Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. I don't see that happening. So therefore I don't see their offense really keeping up with Alabama in a track meet here. I like, Alabama on the road here minus 20 and a half I mean basically do I think they can win by three touchdowns I think they can win by three touchdowns this has very very feelings of like Oregon Georgia where it's like two big names but you get into the game and one's just clearly superior I think Alabama has a chance to have a much more impressive win than their 55 to nothing win they just had Next game, I have USC minus nine at Stanford. And now you might say, Lucas, this is the Pac-12. Why are you betting on the Pac-12? It's also at the place, like at Stanford. But USC minus nine, I, I'm not going to say I bind USC this year. But against the bad Pac-12 teams early in the season, I think I bind to USC here. And I think Kayla Williams is a spectacular talent. I think last week they had a pretty decent win, and nine points isn't a lot to really cover over a bad Stanford team. I don't think Stanford hasn't really been on a level that they really were in the early 2010s. They haven't been that good of a football team in a long time. And so for that reason, I think that Stanford really just won't be able to keep up with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. USC is going to want to make a statement here in their first Pac-12 game. Lincoln Riley is going to want to make a statement. So I think the offense will just be faster, just more upbeat, just a better team. I like USC in this game. And then I come to my last pick. And this is my big underdog pick. It's Appalachian State plus 20 and a half. The line, I believe, is plus 19. But I decided to buy points because, I, I I mean, this comes down to, do I think Appalachian State can, you know, not get absolutely torched by Texas A&M? I think that is possible. And this is one of those where it's like you look at it and Texas A&M, I talked about them earlier, number six in the country. And they have all the players in the world, all the talent in the world. However, I don't think they were as dominant as they looked on Saturday against the same Houston team that really they should have beat by 60. And I know there was a big lightning delay, I heard weather delay, and they weren't able to like really get into a flow or whatever. But it's just, I don't know, App State's one of the peskier teams in the group of five, and obviously in the Sun Belt. And... I won't say that I bought into what they did on Saturday against the UNC because I think they were terrible on defense and that could really bite me in the butt here. How, but I, I just, I saw them compete with a UNC team where I think UNC's offense is just a lot better than Texas A&M's like just based on a college level. And for that reason, I think that Appalachian State can keep this game at least close. I think they can keep it within not uh, not three game not three points or anything, but like I think they can keep it down to a two point or two touchdown lead. You know, like I could see this being a game that, like we saw on Saturday, between 
a team like North Carolina State where they should have just been a lot better than they were, and they just don't really, you know, ever go away. They just always kind of keep fighting and clawing. I don't know. I just I, I like Appalachian State here to cover 20 and a half. So that's the five for five. The five dollars to try and win a hundred. I, I I won't say I love this card more than last week's because last week's I really did like a lot. But I think we looked and we kind of like tried to zoom out more than we did last week. I think we tried to take into account other things around the week and we dipped our tone to the NFL, which is always dangerous for me because college, I think is just easier, but I think we got some winners. I think we're going to get, you know, some money back. I, I like the chances here. I also did put a bet in on also there's like a thing where it's like a bunch of teams that I think will make the playoffs and I, I think they all will make the playoffs. So it's like five for 55, you know, it's, it's a little sprinkle, but that's all I got for you on today's show. I guess like I said, we'll be doing a more, I guess look at the week. Like we'll, We'll look at week one for the NFL. We'll look more at the college games this week, which ones, like, we'll probably look at the whole schedule, see if there's any other notable big games. But I've talked about a lot of them, so. If not, we'll just do the NFL. So with that being said, make sure to like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff that I always tell you about it at the end of every episode. Share with your friends, grandma, uncle, cousins, anyone. All the people. Share with all the people. So until next time, I'm your host, Lucas Kochevar, and goodbye.